Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 27. Acts chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 27. I do want to prepare you. Next week we start with Dave McCracken, and we are going to be taking a love offering for him. Normally we have just in our church budget some things for our guest speakers. Dave McCracken doesn't pastor a church. His entire income is from meetings like this. And he did pastor, but his wife, Nancy, was in a, in a terrible car accident. She had severe brain damage. She, was, um, she actually went back to an infant in, in her capacity. And so he had to basically train her and raise her as a child. So he, he had brought her, the uh, Lord had brought her through to a certain point, and, and he began pastoring, and that's when I worked for him. Um, but it just became too hard for him to pastor. But he has an amazing ability to communicate. But he needs to be with her all the time. So she travels with him. He cares for her. You're going to love meeting Miss Nancy. She's an, she's, she's an amazing lady. But we want to be prepared to give him a good love offering next week. So he be prepared to give uh, through that week so that uh, we can take care of God's man. All right, Acts chapter 1. And let's start reading in verse 1. Okay, before we do that, if you're wondering, when are we going to get out of Acts chapter 1? I don't know. My plan had been to kind of do a quick overview of the book of Acts, but I just feel like that would be a disservice because Acts is so vitally important. So for these first four or five chapters of the book of Acts, it's really laying foundational doctrine for the New Testament church. The Later on, it becomes more narrative, where it's stories of, of the history of the things that happened. But right here, we are learning the, the foundation of, of what the New Testament church is supposed to be. And that's why we're calling it the beginning of our story, the beginning of our story. So look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus. And what was the former treatise? What is that? What is it? Gospel of Luke. The form, I'm going to have to start this whole series over if you guys can't answer these questions. All right. The former treatise, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. I want you to make note of that, 40 days. We're going to be coming back to that this morning. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, we hear those words. And honestly, when the preacher's reading those words, here's what you're probably hearing. Blah, 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 blah. Or maybe like Charlie Brown's teacher. Don't just read past these words. We're going to be breaking it down. And this is laying foundational doctrine for what we have. And let me give you an example. So the former treatise, the book of Luke, all that Jesus began both to do and teach, his life and his practice, until the day in which he was taken up. That's, that's his ascension. 
which is, it's a picture of what's going to happen with us soon. After that, he threw the Holy Ghost. Remember, he, he gave up the free and independent exercise of his deity when he was working. And he did his ministry through the power of the Holy Ghost to demonstrate to us how we are to work. He had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, very specific men. We don't have apostles now. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. How about the resurrection? Is that a significant doctrine here in this first chapter? Uh, after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. What's the significance of that 40 days? And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is one of the most important phrases in the entire Bible. We're going to spend some time going through that. And being assembled together. How about being assembled together with a guy that had been dead? You see how significant these words are? And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit that we'll see in chapter 2. And then, verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Is there any confusion in Christianity about the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Is there any confusion about John's baptism and water baptism? We're going to have to spend some time defining that. Why does Jesus point that out to them? Because he had been teaching them these distinctions. We can't understand the ministry of the book of Acts. We certainly can't understand Acts 2.38 unless we understand what this verse is teaching. And then look at what it says in verse 6. When they therefore were come, and by the way, verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Just 10 days from then. Just 10 days. Verse 6, when they were come, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now the, the apostles are, uh, they are uh, diminished or criticized for asking that question. But we're going to understand, beginning today, the significance of the answer to that question. Verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Lord, please help us as we study your word. Help us to understand what this means. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, we have to rightly divide the word of truth. We have to understand what this means, or we will not have any understanding of the Bible. And here's what we need to get in our minds. Almost no Christians in the 21st century have a clear understanding of how their New Testament is put together. A clear understanding of the significance of the New Testament church. You might be saying, well, that's an arrogant thing to say. No, I'm just a beggar showing other beggars where I have found bread. Where did I find that bread? In the words of the Bible. Like we say over and over again, a lot of people believe the Bible. They just don't believe what it says. These are not veggie tales. These are not just, and I love the veggie tales, by the way. You know, just, I love those songs. Um, You let the king make his own sandwich. I love it. But how many of you know that VeggieTales is not really full of profound doctrine. And the, the guy that is in charge of that is for gay marriage and all of that stuff. The guy's a nut. Sorry, let's get back to the text. 
So if we're going to understand the times and seasons, if, if this is, if that's significant, look at what it says. All right, verse verse 6, verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his power. In a minute we're going to go to Matthew 27, but right now I want us to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Obviously keep your place in the book of Acts. We're going to be coming back. First Thessalonians chapter 5. See if, there's a, if you notice a difference. So, do you all have 1 Thessalonians 5? Okay, let's go back to Acts chapter 1 and verse 7. Uh, I, don't, I don't want you to lose track of what we're talking about. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So his disciples, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Who, now, really important. If you're going to understand the Bible, you've got to understand whose mail you're reading. Who is Jesus talking to in Acts chapter 1? Who's he talking to? His apostles. It's not for you. He said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. It's not for you to know. What does he say to the church at Thessalonica? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Are these, does it mention times and seasons? How well did the church at Thessalonica know those things? What word is used? They knew them how? Everyone knew them how? Okay, like like 10%. How well did the church at Thessalonica know these things? Perfectly. So how is it that these believers in the church at Thessalonica knew this when the apostles didn't know it? Is that an interesting question? What changed? Someone got that information and taught it to them. And are you ready for this? This ought to blow your mind. How long was the Apostle Paul at Thessalonica? Like three weeks? That's how long he was there when he established that church. And then he wrote to them to strengthen their faith after he had left because he had heard that people were coming in and teaching false things. And so this times and seasons thing, it becomes really important. I want us to think about why the book of Acts was written. There's a guy named Homer Kent, all right? And it's not Homer Simpson, all right? Homer Kent. Listen to what he wrote about this book of Acts. When those early converts in the early church asked how it all came about, they would have been directed to the incomparable story of Jesus Christ, his life, his teachings, and his sacrificial death and resurrection. At first, this story was told by word of mouth. Later, it became enshrined in the four written Gospels. But here's what I want you to get. I know it's hard to listen to somebody read. I'm going to try and do better and have keynotes and stuff for you as we go through this. But try to focus on this. So it was told by word of mouth. Later, it was written in the Gospels. Yet there would remain some unanswered questions. This is amazing. 
One does not find the institutional church in the life of Jesus. There are no Christian elders or deacons in the Gospels. The free association of Jews and Gentiles, uh, part being circumcised and part not, has no explanation, listen, in the career of Jesus. The wholesale proclamation of the gospel to Gentiles is not to be traced to the earthly example of Jesus except by anticipation in the final commission given by him to his disciples. How does it happen that Christianity, as seen by men like Theophilus, remember that's who it's addressed to, the book of Acts, took the form which it did, quite different in some respects from the gospel origins. The book of Acts bridges this gap. So remember, there's no pastors, there's no deacons, there's no elders, there's no church in the ministry of Jesus as he's walking the earth. So when people try and take what happened in the gospels and apply it to church doctrine, if you don't incorporate the book of Acts and the writings of the Apostle Paul, then you end up with all kinds of heresy. That's what it means to rightly divide the word of truth. So the times and seasons are vital. When you're understanding, we just came through how to study the Bible, and one of the things that we have to look at are time words. Now, how many of you think times and seasons are time words? So why did he give us this times and seasons? Go to Genesis chapter 1. And I hope you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, look at the under the chair in front of you. There should be a Bible there. Genesis chapter 1, look at 14, verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Look at signs and for seasons. Verse 15. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. That's the sun and the moon. He made the stars also. And why did he do that? For times and seasons. Times and seasons. So times and seasons are important in God's plan. It goes all the way back to his, the, the creation of this known world that we have. And yet, when we get to Acts chapter 1, they didn't understand the times and seasons. So let's look at how the Bible establishes some things in Acts chapter 1. And let's try to figure some of these things out. Acts chapter 1. So verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up. Now, would, would the day in which he was taken up, is, would that, is that a time thing? We're given a specific time. That's the ascension. So before that, after, he was ascended after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them. So who was assembled together? Who was assembled together? This, this whole ascension of Christ, this instruction that he gives... How long did he spend with them giving them instruction? How long? How, how long? 40 days. Now, how many of you know that, that 40 days is a significant period of time in your Bible, right? So he was with them 40 days, but there may have been someone else with him. 
All right, now go to Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. This is one of the least expounded passages of Scripture in the Bible. So, uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. Jesus, verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Now, here's the passage that we don't hear about very often. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Is that weird? I mean, were they... You know, was this dawn of the dead? Are, are these zombies? And imagine, you've got these Old Testament saints. They're in their graves. Jesus rises from the dead. And these dead people get up and start walking around. You might be saying, I don't know. That's a little weird. And, of course, that is standard fare. So I have here the international critical commentary of, on Matthew. Would you like to know what the scholars say about this verse? Are you ready? Verse 52. The passage probably comes from Matthew's cycle of Palestinian traditions. Okay, let's see if, if this guy's right. My Bible says... All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Holy men of God, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible is inspired by the Holy Ghost. Jesus, when he sent the Holy Ghost, he said, I will bring to your remembrance all things whatsoever I've commanded you. All right, so did Matthew get this from Mark? No, 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 he got it from the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's, let's go on. These guys are helpful. The passage probably comes from Matthew's cycle of Palestinian traditions. The cause of the rending of the veil was an earthquake. How often does an earthquake cause something to rend from top to bottom? That doesn't even make sense. All right? The passage, so from an earthquake, which also exposed the bodies of the dead by laying bare their graves. So they weren't really alive, it just showed their dead bodies. Because the earthquake did that. These dead saints, whose rest was so rudely shattered, appeared to many in the city. Matthew adds this account to the Markan record. So the Mark's... Mark's well, see, this teaching is that Mark wrote his gospel first, and everybody else just expanded on what Mark said. There's no, there's no scripture for that at all. All right, so for some of you theologues in here, that, that's source criticism. Source criticism. Where did they get their information? I think I've told you, I've got a book in my library called Did Jesus Speak Greek? 
It's, you know, it's 300 pages of evidence on whether or not Jesus spoke Greek. I could have helped this guy. It'd be really short. Yes. Think about this. You understand that people pray to Jesus from all over the world. How many of you know that? Right? Does he hire translators? How many of you believe Jesus is God? Okay, the Bible says about Jesus and he knowing all things. Is Greek considered a part of all things? You see how faithless these guys are? But anyway. So, Matthew adds this account to the Markan record, but interpolates a clause which is inconsistent with the obvious meaning of the tradition. Interpolates, that's to put it in the wrong place. If Christ was the first fruits of them that slept, how could his resurrection have been preceded by that of these saints? Under the influence of some such idea, the editor adds the caution after his resurrection or had his authority after their resurrection. And did he by mistake or purposely alter their to his? And listen to what they quote here. You're going to love this. So he gives some Greek. Um, one ver- uh, on the verb as signifying a visible manifestation, see Abbott, the Johannine vocabulary, or Buddhist and Christian gospels. Quote, when the Lord entered into nirvana, a great earthquake, terrific and tremendous, accompanied his entrance into nir- his entry into nirvana. Matt, that's not the rock group they're talking about right there. This is, this is, is this weird? This is the faithlessness that comes in these critical commentaries. So let's just read the text and let's see what happened, all right? Matthew chapter 27, verse 52. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. When did they come out of the graves? How many have a hard time understanding that? When did they come out of the graves? Was their coming out of the graves the result of an earthquake or the result of Jesus' resurrection? It's the result of Jesus' resurrection because the Bible says something specific about Jesus Christ's resurrection. But what happened to these people? I got to tell you, this is one of the cool things in the Bible to me. Jesus rose from the dead. Not only did Jesus rise from the dead, but he brought other bodies out of the graves. Do you remember what happened when Lazarus had died? And he went to the grave and people were were all upset. And his sister said, if you had come, he, he wouldn't be dead. And the shortest verse in the Bible is recorded there. Jesus wept. Why was he weeping? Because of the faithlessness of the people. And so he went to the grave and he was going to raise them. And they said, surely he stinketh. I love that. That that's the life's verse of this front row right here. Come on, teenagers smell bad. Y'all admit that. <laughs> Ethan, no, no. <laughs> Don't get me distracted. So Jesus, what does he say? Does he say, come forth? Did he have to add something to that? Well, yeah, yeah, he did. Sorry, I'm not trying to trick you. He had to say, Lazarus, come forth. Because if you just said, come forth, what would have happened? Everybody would have come forth. Isn't that awesome? And so, yes, of course, Jesus has the power to raise people from the dead. And what happened to Lazarus? Did he, did he just live a long period of time and die again? What happened to him? The Bible doesn't say. What happened to these people? The Bible doesn't say. 
a commentator named Samuel Gipp, he gave three options. He said, they dropped dead again after the Lord left the earth. So Jesus ascended and they just dropped dead. I like his comment here. This is highly unlikely. But let's, let's be fair. The whole thing is highly unlikely. Right? So first option, they dropped dead when the Lord left the earth. <laughs> Second option, they lived out their new lives and one by one died natural deaths again. We would have some kind of record of that, I think. So that's highly improbable. Third option that Gip gives, they ascended to heaven when the Lord did. That's interesting. This is the only thing that could possibly have happened to them, this resurrection that ends with them being gathered together. So that's he's referring to Acts chapter 1. To meet the Lord in the air is a precursor of a similar incident, which is yet in the future, what we call the rapture. So what happened to these people? I wonder, do you remember what happened when Jesus appeared to Mary? And he said, don't touch me because I've not yet ascended to my father. And the Bible in, look at, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 4. And look at what it says in verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, so Christ, when he ascended, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. So when Jesus died, he descended to the lower parts of the earth. So where did he go in the lower parts of the earth? Well, they said they, they had asked Jesus some questions before his crucifixion. He said, as, as Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the, of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So the lower parts of the earth, the heart of the earth, what was there when Jesus was on the cross and the thief said, remember me when you come into your kingdom? He said, this day you'll be with me where? In paradise. So where would paradise have been then? In the lower parts of the earth, in the heart of the earth. And he goes and he preaches to the spirits in prison, the Bible says. And remember what that was. You, when you get to Luke chapter 16 and you have that conversation between the rich man and Lazarus, a different Lazarus. Lazarus was a, was a leper and a beggar and he was filled with sores and he... The dogs would come and lick his sores, and he ate the food that fell from the rich man's table. And the rich man died, and Lazarus died. The rich, the, Lazarus is carried by the angels into heaven, and the, the rich man, he, he wakes up in hell being in torment. And he sees Lazarus afar off. There's a great gulf fixed in Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom in paradise is the same place. And they can see each other and communicate with each other. He said, hey, send Lazarus over here that he might dip his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. It's not a parable. This happened. So Jesus, he goes to the heart of the earth. He goes to paradise. 
While he's in paradise, he preaches to those souls in hell, look at what you missed. And then he leads captivity captive. By the time we get to the book of 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul is taken to heaven. And when he's in heaven, he sees paradise. Paradise is no longer in the heart of the earth. Paradise has been taken to heaven. He led captivity captive. I wonder if those saints that rose from the dead, if when Jesus ascended, not at his ascension, but when he went to his father and took his blood and sprinkled it on the Holy of Holies in the temple, not made with hands in heaven. I wonder if that's when he took these Old Testament saints. That is when he took paradise. So it makes sense that that's when he would have taken those Old Testament saints and Lazarus. Or, feel like the Ronco guy. And that's not all. There's one more option. And it's the one Dr. Gibbs said. What if these people walked around with him for those 40 days? That's an interesting thought. Because there's something else that you need to realize. that, And, and this is where exposition is good for the preacher and good for the people. I have learned so much breaking this out. Here's something I never thought of. Who is assembled together? So Acts chapter 1, let's look at it. We're discerning the times and the seasons. These times, this is a significant time. Verse 3, and to whom also, who is that? The apostles. To, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together, commanded them. Now, who are we talking about? Well, it would be the 120 that were assembled in the upper room. It would be these 12. And okay, everybody plug in right here. Everybody plug in. Because this is the significant thing. If I just learned it, it's got to be important. (laughs) This is really fun. I love this. It doesn't say that he appeared to lost people after his resurrection. You ready for this? I never noticed this. There is no account, there's no record of anyone believing in Jesus. Listen, between his crucifixion and his ascension. It it appears that he only appeared to believers. Why is that? Go to Luke chapter 16. Remember, rich man of Lazarus? Not a parable. We know that it's not a parable because of verse 19. Luke 16 and verse 19, there was a certain rich man. It doesn't say, and he spake a parable unto them. We know that he's speaking a parable when the Bible says, and he spake a parable. So your your Bible might even have a note that says the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. It's not a parable. All right? Not only that, but look at what it says in verse 24. 
And he cried and said, Father Abraham, this is the rich man, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. He was in bad shape because he's asking for a leper to come dip his finger and cool his tongue. Verse 25, but Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime, I got a doctrine, it's so important. He calls him a son. He's the son of Abraham, but he was lost. Just because you were born a Jew, that does not mean that you are a spiritual son of Abraham. The Bible clears that up in the book of Galatians. This is an example of it. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Look at what it says in verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. It's interesting. I heard a, you know, a preacher say years ago that that uh, the rich man's father had six sons, one in hell and five on the way. And look at what Abraham says. Verse 29. For Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Romans chapter 10. How many of you believe Jesus? Romans chapter 10. Verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by seeing the resurrected Christ. What's it say? And hearing by... What did Jesus say? What, when Jesus gave the account of Abraham, the rich man, and Lazarus, they won't believe, even if one rose from the dead. If, after his resurrection, he went around showing himself, now faith comes from sight. I'm sorry, salvation comes from sight and not from faith in the Word of God. Let's go back to Acts 1. Let's see if this is true. Verse 7, And he said unto them, 
It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You're going to receive power. What's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes on you in Acts chapter 2? Not many days hence, you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost. What's going to happen? Well, the Bible tells us, and we'll spend a little bit more time on this. I just want to make reference to it today. The Comforter, which will come in my name, when he has come, he will bring to your remembrance all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and he will show you things to come. What are they going to be witnesses of? Witnesses of his sinless life, his death, burial, and resurrection, but also witnesses of his word. They're going to communicate his word. The power of the Holy Spirit is the power of the word of God. No one came to Christ between, that that we have a record of, between the crucifixion of Christ and his ascension. You say, well, what about Thomas? What about John, where it says that he went into the, he, he looked at, go to John chapter 20. They've run to the, to the tomb, Peter and John, verse 8. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher. That's John himself who's writing this book. And he saw and believed. What did he believe? That the tomb was empty. Verse 9, for as yet they knew not the, read that word for me, that he must rise again from the dead. What had to be revealed to them? The scripture. The scripture, the scripture, it always comes back to the Bible, to the word of God. If you want to understand times and seasons and passages like Matthew chapter 27, these that are gathered together with Jesus after his resurrection, then we get it all, not from human reasoning, but from the very word of God. And the next thing on God's timetable is the rapture of the church. So if these people are taken to heaven with Jesus Christ, that's all part of the first fruits of the resurrection that Jesus Christ took with him to heaven. Did it happen before he appeared to his other disciples or did it happen when Jesus ascended? Did they were they just on earth for a couple of days after their resurrection or were they on earth for those 40 days after the resurrection? We don't know. But we do know that now they're in heaven with Jesus Christ. That is that is the first fruits. It's what the next time that we're together, we're going to break that down. First fruits, harvest, gleanings, all of those things. If we're going to understand times and seasons, we have to believe the Bible. Everybody stand up. We're done. Here's what I want you to get. How many of you had never thought of that, of nobody coming to Christ between? I I had never thought of it. It's a demonstration that no one will be in heaven based on sight. 
salvation is always by faith. Now, in the Old Testament, it was faith not in the, in the death, burial, and resurrection. They had, to, they had to have faith in what God told them. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. What did he have to believe? That I want you to go to a land that is not yours, and in your old age, I'm going to make of you a great nation. That's what he had to believe. He, he didn't have to sacrifice Isaac. That was evidence, according to the book of James, that he believed. That was showing his faith that he already had. Amen? Are you with me? No one gets to heaven by sight. We have people now, a Joe Rogan or whatever. Well, I would need to see this. I would need to see this. Then you can't go to heaven. Then you can't be saved. What did Jesus say? There's one thing that will judge you in the last day. The words that I spoke unto you. My words are going to judge you. Folks, we need to understand that if our loved ones are going to go to heaven, it's not through some miracle, it's not through some vision, it's not through some sight. It's through us opening up the word of God and being witnesses of the scriptures and what he's done in our lives. Amen? This has to become real. This isn't just an academic exercise. The supernatural stuff in the Bible, I love that. I love that. But if you have to see that supernatural stuff to believe then your faith is not of faith, it's of sight. Amen? Let's believe. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, then you're not born again. You'll be where that rich man, listen, still is. After 2,000 years, he's still there. It might be 3,000 years. We don't know when it happened. He's still there. The only way to be with the Lord in eternity and have your sins forgiven is by faith. If you add baptism to it, it's no longer faith. If you add church membership to it, it's no longer faith. If you add giving money or taking communion to it, it is no longer faith. If you add joining a church to it, it is no longer faith. According to the Apostle Paul, those people are removed from the simplicity that is in Christ. What is the simple gospel? It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. Faith in that. Belief in that. Repentance and faith. That's the gospel. Amen? And you know what we have in the book of Acts? In chapter 1, a demonstration that even after the resurrection, even when Jesus is walking the earth before his ascension, it is still only by faith. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your word and the opportunity to preach and teach it. Father, I pray that it, is, that it is moving to us, that it's meaningful to us, and that we'll recognize what you say about our neighbors is true. What you say about our loved ones is true. We must give them the gospel.